Part four of Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart by Howard Pazer. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part four. Death of Leopold Mozart. In February seventeen eighty seven, Mozart was back in Vienna in a joyous frame of mind. One may question that this jubilant mood was of long duration that the new opera was to be ready as early as the following october was hardly the greatest of his worries for mozart like haydn bach and other masters of that century was accustomed to a speed of creative production that puts our machine age to shame the welcome the viennese accorded the returning traveller flushed by the recollection of his recent triumphs was frosty also there came the news that his father's health was failing naturally reflected leopold old people do not grow younger wolfgang wrote his parents in words that nobly convey the essence of his own mature philosophy i need not tell you with what anxiety i await better news from you although i am wont in all things to anticipate the worst since death is the true goal of our lives i have made myself so well acquainted during the past two years with this true and best friend of mankind that the idea of it no longer holds any terror for me but rather much that is tranquil and comforting and i thank god that he has granted me the good fortune to obtain this opportunity of regarding death as the key to our true happiness I never lie down in bed without considering that, young as I am, perhaps I may on the morrow be no more. Yet not one of those who know me say that I am morose or melancholy, and for this I thank my Creator, and wish heartily that the same happiness may be given to my fellow-men. One is moved to think of Schubert's words to his father a few years later, when looking upon the lakes and peaks of the Austrian Alps he wrote, as if death were the worst thing that could befall one could one but look on these divine lakes and mountains he would deem it a great happiness to be restored for a new life to the inscrutable forces of the earth all the same mozart was profoundly shaken when on may twenty eight his father passed away without the opportunity to see his son once more you can realize my feelings he wrote his friend gottfried von jachten we shall not go far wrong when we surmise that these deep and solemn emotions colored to a considerable degree some of the more tragic pages of the nascent don giovanni the book of which de ponte was now writing for him while working at the same time on librettos for salieri and martin in the spring of seventeen eighty seven the composer had a brief but memorable encounter for at this time there came briefly to vienna from bonn a sixteen-year-old youth ludwig von beethoven a protege of the count waldstein presumably to study with mozart the latter heard his visitor improvise and was at first unimpressed because he believed the extemporization had been memorized but was converted as soon as he gave the young rhinelander a complicated theme to treat on the spot the originality and seriousness of what he heard stirred the older musician to the prophecy this young man is going to make the world talk about him but mozart had at the moment no leisure for this prospective pupil who returned shortly to bonn and on his later trip after mozart's death 
placed himself under the direction of Haydn. Don Giovanni In mid-September Mozart and Constanza went to Prague, bringing the partly finished Don Giovanni score. Bondini had found the composer lodging at the house on the Kolmark, called the Three Lion Cubs. Across the way at the inn Zumplatais, rooms were engaged for da Ponte, and as the windows faced each other, composer and librettist had long discussions across the narrow street about details of the book, in the preparation of which Mozart, with his keen dramatic instincts, played a dominating role. He and Constanza appeared, however, to have spent quite as much time with the Dutchkies at the Betranka as at the Three Lion Cubs. Rehearsals consumed a great amount of energy. There were numerous modifications to be made in the music. The young baritone Luigi Bassi, who had the title role, demanded five recastings of the duet La Sidarum before he was satisfied with the music and Mozart had all manner of trouble with Caterina Michelli, the Elvira. In addition, the singer of Zerlina, Caterina Bondini, could not utter the peasant girl's shriek in the first finale to the composer's satisfaction, until he terrified her by grasping her roughly and thus causing her to scream exactly as he wanted. After one of the last rehearsals, the conductor Kuchars, being asked by the master for his candid opinion of the opera, replied encouragingly, Whatever comes from Mozart will always delight in Bohemia. I assure you, dear friend, I have spared myself no pains to produce something worthy for the people of Prague, declared the composer, who had already boasted that my Praguers understand me. Here is the place, no doubt, to tell once more the oft-repeated tale of the overture put on paper, according to a hoary legend, the night before the premiere, while Constanza kept the master awake by plying him with punch and telling him stories. As a matter of fact, the overture was written the night before the dress rehearsal, and it was nothing unusual for Mozart to write down at the last moment a work mentally finished in every detail. A few days after the first performance, the Prague Oberpostamtszeitung published a review that probably excels anything ever written about the opera. It read simply, Connoisseurs and musicians say that nothing like it has ever been produced in Prague. The opinion is probably as true today as in 1787, for there is literally nothing like Don Giovanni, either among its composer's creations or elsewhere one can only share the emotion of rossini when being shown the manuscript score he said to its owner the singer pauline virdot garcia i want to bow the knee before this sacred relic and echo the words of richard wagner what is more perfect than every number in don giovanni where else has music won so infinitely rich an individuality, been able to characterize so surely, so definitely, and in such exuberant plenitude as here? Figaro is, if you will, the more perfect artistic entity of the two. Don Giovanni is looser, less consistent, on the surface even grossly illogical. But so, too, is human nature and if all the world's a stage, what more than a drama giocoso is the experience of life? 
whatever the narrow intent of lorenzo da ponta when he carpentered the book out of well-worn odds and ends it was with a profound knowledge of the sorrows and absurdities of humankind that mozart breathed into it an abiding soul long live da ponte long live mozart had written the stage director domenico guarasone all impresarios all artists must exalt them to the skies for as long as such men live there can be no more question of theatre miseries the ducheks outdid themselves to make life pleasant for their guests mozart found time to compose several songs and even a superb concert air bella mia fiamma adio for josepha after that lady had locked him up in the garden-house till he had finished the promised music on november fifteenth seventeen eighty seven which virtually coincided with the composer's return to vienna gluck died less than a month later joseph the second appointed mozart to the older master's post of kammer compositeur with an annual salary of eight hundred gulden gluck had received two thousand and before long mozart was complaining that his pay was too much for what he did too little for what he could do what he did was principally to supply minuets contradances and toitsche for court balls and similar occasions the year seventeen eighty eight dawned in gloomy fashion for mozart to be sure don giovanni had its first viennese hearing on may seven with a cast including his sister-in-law aloysia lange as doña anna catarina cavalieri the original costanza indian furung as elvira and francesco benucci the first figaro as leporello mozart had cut out some numbers replacing them with new ones eliminating the platitudinous epilogue and ended the work with the prodigious hell music of don giovanni's disappearance the emperor remarked the opera is divine perhaps even finer than figaro but it is a rather tough morsel for the teeth of my viennese to which mozart replied let us give them time to chew it symphonies in e flat g minor and c major yet from now on he was to pay for his prague triumphs with a kind of fateful persistence things seemed to go wrong that an infant daughter died was a rather familiar affliction of the children of the mozart couple only the sons karl and raymond leopold survived infancy money troubles plagued him unremittingly again and again he had to appeal for loans to michael puchberg a merchant and brother mason and later to franz hoftemel a jurist of his acquaintance whose wife was one of his pupils but by and large these pupils were becoming scarcer and there seemed steadily less patronage for the academies he planned to make matters worse costanza's management of the household appeared to go from bad to worse the arrangements of works like Handel's Assis and Galathea and Messiah, which he was making about this time for the parsimonious Baron von Schwieten, brought in as good as nothing. Mozart's affairs were falling into a sordid, not to say tragic, state. Small wonder, therefore, that he grasped at the opportunity to settle outside of Vienna proper in a house in the Währing district, where the air was purer than in the heart of the city, and where he had the added advantages of quiet and a garden. 
a change of residence had never been a particular hardship for the mozarts in the space of nine years they moved eleven times in vienna alone their life says alfred einstein was like a perpetual tour changing from one hotel room to another in one of the handsomer dwellings schulergasse eight the ceiling of mozart's workroom had fine plaster ornamentation with sprites and cherubs i am convinced that mozart never wasted a glance on it he was ready at any instant to exchange vienna for another city or austria for another country he was thinking of a trip to russia as a result of conversations with the russian ambassador in dresden in seventeen eighty nine but he had to be satisfied with smaller journeys and with journeys within vienna in his varying surroundings however he boasted of being able to accomplish more work in a few days than elsewhere in a month the finest fruit of this suburban sojourn is the glorious symphonic trilogy the masterpieces in e flat g minor and c major composed in june july and august respectively the third the sublime jupiter the last of mozart's forty-one symphonies and given its deathless name no one knows exactly by whom or why the three which have a profound psychological connection were written in all probability for a series of academies that never took place however this may be they are the crown of mozart's symphonic compositions and rank indisputably as the greatest symphonies before beethoven Cosifantuti. in april seventeen eighty nine a ray of hope suddenly appeared to illuminate his depressing horizon a friend and pupil the young prince karl lichowski who had estates in silesia and an important rank in the prussian army invited mozart to accompany him on a trip to berlin lichnowsky enjoyed influence at the court of the music-loving prussian king frederick william the second and seemed ready to recommend his teacher to the good graces of the monarch at last mozart had reason to anticipate a well-paying post the pleasure-loving constanza resigned herself with the best grace possible to remain behind the travellers stopped off in prague in dresden in leipzig where mozart played the organ in st thomas church in so masterly a fashion that bach's erstwhile pupil the aged cantor johann friedrich dolz believed for a moment that his old master had come back to life and hastened to show his delighted guest one of the bach motets the church possessed on april twenty five mozart arrived at the court in potsdam where the king gave him a hundred friedrichsdor ordered six-string quartets and some easy clavier sonatas for his daughter but did nothing about a kapellmeister position or a commission for an opera mozart did go to the theatre in berlin where he heard his own entführung was applauded by the audience and audibly scolded a blundering violinist in the orchestra but his fortunes had not materially changed and in may he was writing to constanza my dear little wife you will have to get more satisfaction from my return than from any money i am bringing when he reached home and found her suffering from a foot trouble he sent her regardless of his depleted purse to nearby baden for a cure at the same time admonishing her to beware of flirtations 
then he set to work on the quartets for the prussian king of which he finished three the last he was to write and a single easy sonata instead of the promised six for the princess frederica in september seventeen eighty nine he was to compose for his friend the clarinet virtuoso anton stadler the celestial clarinet quintet k five eighty one which for sheer euphony is almost without parallel in its composer's writings the success of a revival of figaro in august seventeen eighty nine appears to have moved the emperor to approach mozart with a commission for a new opera the outcome was cosi fan tutti the incentive to the plot being an incident said to have taken place in viennese society once again lorenzo da ponte was called upon to put the piece into shape the fundamentals of the story are to be found in boccaccio and it may well have been in the decameron that da ponte discovered the real basis of his dexterous and amusing though highly artificial comedy we know little about the circumstances surrounding the composition of the piece on january twenty one seventeen ninety cosifantuti was performed at the burgtheater the reviews if middling were not outright unfavourable the music of mozart is charming the plot amusing enough wrote count zinzendorf in his diary and the journal des luxus und der moden remarked it is sufficient to say of the music that it was composed by mozart until the following autumn the work achieved only ten performances it is not unreasonable to explain this by the fact that in seventeen ninety joseph the second who for some time had been ailing died and was succeeded by a ruler of very different tendencies his brother leopold the second later works with the accession of the new emperor mozart briefly imagined the gates of his good luck were about to open he was quickly disillusioned leopold the second was hard cold unmusical he instantly dismissed some of his predecessors most faithful artistic servitors de ponte for one was dropped mozart's opponent salieri cautiously withdrew into obscurity and waited behind the scenes for a new opportunity van schwieten tried to obtain for mozart a position as teacher of the archduke franz but nothing came of the well-meant effort and presently the composer found his pupils reduced to two his health began to trouble him alarmingly with headaches and tooth troubles he had the mortification of being ignored when the king of naples visited vienna while Cialieri and haydn enjoyed special honours he was not even asked to participate in the musical festivities in connection with the emperor's coronation in october seventeen ninety or to travel to frankfurt where the ceremony was to take place so he decided to make the journey at his own expense hoping against hope for some distinction or reward though he did not obtain either he at least had the satisfaction of knowing that his don giovanni figaro Führung, and even the early finta girdernera were relished in neighbouring mainz the opera chosen for the actual coronation was ratchnitsky's oberon however the frankfurt town council graciously allowed mozart to give a concert on his own responsibility at a local theatre october thirteen at eleven in the morning plenty of honour but little money he wrote 
he played two concertos probably the f major k four fifty nine and the d major k five thirty seven and a rondo as ever his improvisation impressed deeply only a royal luncheon party and a manoeuvre of hessian troops were counter-attractions that cut down the attendance on the way home he stopped off in mannheim and munich saw his old friends Kanabich and ram played at an academy the elector karl theodore gave for the returning king of naples and went home to vienna where constanza had moved their effects into a new apartment in the rauensteingasse destined to be his last home on earth in his new dwelling the composer completed by december two superb works the string quintet in d k five nine three and the stunning adagio and allegro in f minor k five nine four for an organ cylinder in a clock about that same time the director of the italian opera in london one o'reilly suggested that he come for half a year to england to write two operas for that theatre and give concerts and promised him three hundred pounds sterling nothing stood in the way of o'reilly's suggestion except operas that the master was soon to provide for vienna and prague soon afterwards haydn on his way to london took leave of his younger friend who bade him farewell with the heart-shaking words i fear papa this is the last time we shall see each other salomon haydn's manager had planned to bring mozart to england on the older composer's return to the continent to be sure there was other work to be done if in large part trifling but early in january seventeen ninety one mozart completed his last clavier concerto the singularly affecting one in b flat k five ninety five which harks back to earlier models and lacks some of the more original and dramatic elements of the incomparable ones in d minor e flat a major c major and c minor and in june seventeen ninety one on a visit to constanza in baden where she had gone for another cure he wrote for a local choir-master anton stoll that short ave verum motet than which nothing of mozart's is more unutterably seraphic end of part four <laughs>